right. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Scott, how's it going for you today? Going well. Adam said it last week that this is a bright spot for him in the week, and I'm in full agreement. I, this is exciting. I think for me, it's been pulling me into the industry a little bit further and having new conversations with new people. Had another great one today. That was a pretty amazing conversation. I connected with Rebecca Lombardo, and in a 30-minute conversation, we figure out that her and I, through high school and then probably early adulthood, ran the same exact area of town for a lot of years. So it was like probably within minutes of each other. No doubt her and I have crossed paths. So awesome, great conversation with her. But just this podcast has really opened up a bunch of doors just for networking, connecting with some amazing folks. So I appreciate it. I saw that post. I assumed you just meant industry-wide, but uh, industry-wise, I'm sorry, but you mean like literally locations, like your actual- yes. Yeah, up. like oh, legitimately in high school and then like just out of high school in our early adult years in the, like o- almost the same neighborhood. That is funny. Right. Yeah. And it, what is that? Like Kevin Bacon, six degrees of separation like, <laughs> you yourself with anybody, but that's like one degree. That's not even very far away. Awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. All right. Adam, we didn't go to high school together, but how are you doing? We did not, but we were in Massachusetts at the same time. So that's... That is true. That is, yeah. I wonder if there was a time period when I ever went to a way basketball game in like Central Mass and I was like close to you or something. It just little did we know 20 years later. we'd And we've known each other for years and I never knew that you were from Mass until we did the podcast. So I share Scott's feeling about that. I've been in the industry for a long time, but... This podcast has definitely pushed us deeper into the industry, but also started to open up some new discussions as a result of some of the topics that we've discussed. So yeah, definitely a bright spot in my week and happy to be here. Phenomenal. Great, gentlemen. I really like today's topic, actually. It's a bit of a departure from what we talked about in the last few episodes. We've had some guests, we've done marketing stuff, but this one is interesting because it's a growing problem, in my opinion, which is how the heck do you decide how to promote which properties when? How are you fair? There's a lot of different angles to go in here. Um, but you know what, I guess what kind of has you excited about this topic? So the title that we're working with today, vacation rental property ranking is broken. Let's fix it with BK rank. I like it already has a cool name. Yeah. Let's, why is property ranking important? And what do you mean specifically by vacate rank? That's a cool name, Adam, but what do you mean by that? I'm happy to hear from the marketing specialist on the podcast here that you like vacate rank because I have a quick kudos <laughs> to chat GPT for helping us with that. So I went to chat GPT. We were trying to figure out a name for our ranking system. We came back with probably, I don't know, 20, 30 names, and we did a little vote with the team and we came up with vacay rank. That was the one that that we chose. So the the goal there is to name our property ranking system. And I think that we'll touch on, on why there's value in a property ranking system, why we're thinking about it a little differently as we get through this. But I guess just to touch on a high level perspective of what we're doing, not only with the podcast, but with this specific episode is building out that story arc I mentioned last week. So each one of these episodes, has built upon itself for the next episode. And I don't think that Scott and I, when we look back on this, you know, nine weeks ago when we started, would have necessarily thought that this is the exact story arc that we would have taken, but we love the way that it's built itself out. So we started with an introduction. We went to profitability at the unit level. We talked about what TAN and Rev Boost are. We talked with Brooke at Venturi about how we're going to build our inventory. We discussed franchise and Casago and why we're going into the franchise model. We've talked with Booz about how you create these deals and how you help the homeowners and the VRMs understand what the value is that TAN and Rev Boost. We talked with Conrad last week about marketing and how we're going to help bring some marketing into play. So this week we're thinking about we've got these homes, we're bringing these homes in. But how do we set the right expectations for the guests and for the homeowners from the very beginning? I think that there is a lot of value in property ranking for that very reason, from an expectations perspective. 
The hotel industry has known this for a very long time. This is a good example of where hotels are surpassing vacation rentals from a ranking side of things, from a micro brand perspective. They see the value in understanding that, yes, there's this overall brand, but within that brand, there are going to be multiple micro brands that have different levels of service, different levels of quality. And the guests that stay at those micro brands will have the expectations because they understand that micro brand. Yes, it's part of the whole brand, but there are individual tiers that we have set expectations based on those individual brands. The vacation rental space does not have that. We've tried to do that for a very long time. In previous episodes, we've discussed the idea of blind spots or gaps. So this is one that, again, we feel like this is a gap in the industry. We think that we can do a much better job at this as a whole, as an industry. And hopefully the thought process that Scott and I are bringing is going to walk down a path that's going to make a little bit more sense than what the industry has done in the past. In the past, the idea of ranking has primarily fallen on amenities. Hey, Mr. Homeowner, what amenities does your home have? Oh, you've got upper end amenities, then you're clearly going to be a high end home. And as a result, I think there's a lot of emotions that are mixed into that. We're taking the homeowner's word for what they've got and how great it is. And then on the other side, the guest side, you've got the guests who are then coming back and saying, you know what, these amenities aren't so great. I really don't think that this was a high level home. And as a result, you've got these misaligned expectations. And then that leads to a poor guest experience. Maybe it wasn't a poor guest experience, but because you didn't have the right expectations from the beginning, you've now created this poor guest experience, which then flips back to a poor homeowner experience. And in the middle, us as vacation rental managers waste a lot of resources trying to manage those expectations. So Scott and I are thinking about this differently. We're thinking about this from a profitability perspective, rather than thinking about ranking from the amenity side of things and how nice do you feel your property is, we're looking at this from profitability. And our belief is that when you break this down to profitability, the homeowner is going to be much more aligned, but the guest experience is also going to be much more aligned because you're setting the right expectations, but you're also doing the right things to maximize profitability. You're doing the right additions. You're putting the right unique features into that home. You're doing the core operational needs that that home needs or that the guest needs to have a great experience because you recognize that there's a profitability at the end of it. And if you're really good at becoming profitable, then you move up to the next tier. So there is a little bit of a cherry on the top, but at the end of the day, we want to make money. The homeowner wants to make money. So we're focused on profitability with our ranking system. Yeah, that makes sense. I think the emotional piece you touched on there has always been a struggle that I've seen in the past is like no one wants to be called like a bronze or a third tier property, even if that actually is what it is, because there probably was a lot of emotions in them picking that property and choosing to purchase that. So to then put it into a program and be what they maybe feel like is declassed a little bit is not a good feeling at all. But that makes sense to me. A new system, like a new name. Scott will go in your direction. How are you thinking about ranking in terms of profitability, the math and numbers guy? And how would the how would that benefit the homeowners and guests? Like I, the homeowner wants to make money off of the profitability of the property. The property manager, to Adam's point, wants to make money off the property. Those make sense to me. But how does the guest benefit from profitability? What's your angle on that? Yes, you hit on it, Conrad, right? You, you brought up emotion, right? In the emotional conversation, you have to say this, that says, yeah, your unit sucks, right? It's down here. And you talked about math, right? And numbers. So where we broke this down is, is it's just math, right? We built an algorithm here that essentially looks at this and aligns the company that we want to be and the business we want to be, and then checks the owners to see how much alignment we have. Now, all of this is clearly we need homes, but... To build the business that we want to build, we need the right homes to suit that business. And ultimately, we need a bunch of guests that are going to come back to us every year. So at the end of the day, this makes it all the way down to the guests. But we're starting with 
the fact that it's just math. And I'll take a math conversation over an emotional conversation every day. Forget opinions, forget the color of your couch and how it's perfectly fit into this unit and the 85 inch flat screen. Those things are helpful, but they're not the only thing. Let's talk about our alignment first. It's funny. I started scratching out some notes as we were preparing this and I just took the basis of the business and just removed us from the business and said, imagine a partnership where you're going into a partnership. Me and you, Conrad, are going into a partnership. I'm on my side. You're on your side. I'm the operation side. You're the asset side. And we just happen to be in the same business. I operate your assets. You have an asset that you need me to operate. And really, we just look and go, oh, for a commission, yeah, that's perfect. You go do your thing and just send me money. I mean, that's not how the business world works. If people did business deals like that, like the, everything would be broken, right? But you look and go, essentially, that's where this has become, especially with the big brands, right? And all that stuff. This is just transactional and commodity. And our core belief is the way you improve the guest experience is you start back at that partnership. If this is a partnership, a true partnership with owner and manager, which it is a true partnership, you've got to start with alignment. They, an owner may have completely different objectives than we do, and that's perfectly fine. But then we can look and say, hey, based on our own match criteria with a compatibility survey, we're not the right one for you. And let's talk about why. These are the things that are important to us. That's not a match for you. So we're going to constantly have problems because we keep going the wrong way. And now you've got to say now, not only am I in one bad business relationship because I don't have a match, but now I have hundreds of you. And maybe some of them match, maybe some of them don't. And we all talk about serving one master. And where we come back to is the one master can be our objectives. The objectives we're aligned on should be the master we're serving, not Adam, the property owner, Conrad, the property owner, right? If we're aligned on objectives, that's where we're going. So after a lot of years of working on this and much like everything, Adam and I talk about, and we've probably been talking about this for probably the better part of two or three years, again, long before we were working together to say, there's something here, it's missing in the industry. How do we get there? How do we get there? And really over the last couple of months, Adam started leaning more and more into it, giving me his ideas. And then about a couple of weeks ago, we said, we just found it. We, we've got it what it is. So it's essentially a comprehensive, but super simple checklist. And it's traits, objectives, and mindsets. And again, that's from our standpoint. That's our traits, our objectives, our mindset to say, what we know is if you give us these partners and they're aligned with this, we're going to create an exceptional guest experience that keeps pulling guests back to us. More guests, more revenue, more properties, more guests, more revenue. So it all ties together. And where we come from is if you start with the right partnerships and have the right owners that are aligned with us, we believe that that's the tip of the spear for the true best guest experience in the industry. Yeah. I think it's a Munger quote, isn't it? Charlie Munger, where he says, show me the incentive and I will show you the outcome. So if the incentives are aligned, then the outcome can be very positive, right? And when the yes. incentives are, when someone's over here, someone's over here, how are you ever going to get on the same page, so to speak, with respect to how the property should perform? I learned this a long time ago, actually. It took me a little while to understand this when I first got started in the industry. Actually, the meeting I was at earlier today with a local client, I drove over to his office, one of my clients that I first got connected with a long time ago. And he said, Conrad, some people, they just want to cover the expenses of the property. And I was like, I never heard any 
anyone say that before, but I'm like, that was the dominant way that people thought about it for a long time. Just, eh, just cover the expenses and then I get to use it a little bit. And then down the road, it'll be paid off and I'll retire there. That was kind of like the vision that a lot of people had in a lot of beach communities, at least here on the East Coast. I think that's very common is that one day you'll retire from your job in the Northeast and then you'll come down to your, at least in my case in South Carolina, and you'll enjoy your paid off condo that was paid off by your guests over the past X number of years. And you just kept it level the whole time. Now the mindset is completely different. That is not at all how a lot of people think about it. They're sitting there with numbers and spreadsheets and all that kind of stuff. What's the cap rate? What's the cash on cash? Totally different from my introduction to the space back in, that would have been probably 2015, 2016 timeframe. But let's unpack that a little bit more. How, Adam, do you think that the vacation rental manager the homeowner and the guest, these three kind of parties that we talk about a lot can be misaligned. It's complicated. How would you dig into that complicated nature and try to untangle the nat's rat's nest a little bit? Yeah, I'll untangle that a little bit. Before I do that, I want to touch on a couple of things that you and Scott just said. So first, I want to mention that yeah. the story arc that I mentioned at the beginning, it's really funny as this unfolds, how you see all these pieces connect. Scott talks about how we've been we've been discussing this property ranking for a long time. And a few weeks ago, it opened up and we said, yes, we've got it. The reason that it opened up and we got it was because we focused on that per unit profitability that we talked about way back in episode three, the Kavapu yeah. pup episode, right? That's looking at the per unit profitability. And as we expanded that and dug into that, we realized, hey, the ranking system's right here. If we look at the profitability at the unit, we start to back ourselves away from that and look at all of the criteria that we just built in. So we've got a ranking system to look at profitability. So it's interesting the way that all of these dynamics start to intertwine and play together. The other thing I'll mention, I like that thought that you just shared, Conrad, around there are some homeowners that are just looking to cover expenses. And I agree. Being on the Outer Banks, the same example that you just gave, you got someone in the Northeast who's expecting to retire down on the Outer Banks in 20 years, whatever it might be. Back in 2008, when I started, I would say the majority of homeowners were that way. And I think it's for a couple of reasons. One, that was just a mindset of an older homeowner. We've got a second beach home at the at our second home at the beach, and we're going to go down there and use it once or twice a year. But the ultimate goal is for me to retire at that beach house. I just hope that we can cover the mortgage and our expenses through the rentals. So that's one is just a mindset shift. I think in society, we've shifted a little bit. The other thing that shifted is obviously the real estate prices, and they've one, it dipped in 2008. So people saw, hey, there's an opportunity to buy. At the same time, the vacation rental industry took off and people started to think, oh my gosh, I can actually make money off of this as things dip. But I think we're at a crossroads again. It goes back to our discussion last week with these super hosts and everyone thinking, hey, this is super easy. I just buy what they'll call an Airbnb and I throw it on these OTAs and all of a sudden I start to make this money. I don't know that mindset continues to work indefinitely. I do agree with you that I think that the owners of these homes are more sophisticated and are thinking about it in a more business manner. But at the end of the day, the numbers are pretty straightforward, right? You've got a mortgage expense, you've got expenses to run this house. You may or may not be able to cash flow off that home based on where those home values are. That just is what it is. So regardless of your pro formas and all the other numbers that you bring to the table, you got to get more expenses or you got to get more revenue in to cover those expenses or it's at a loss or think about it differently and think about retiring in that home and it's no longer becomes this business opportunity for you. So do you think we're getting back to a place where we're going to have some of those discussions? And that leads me into the complexity. This industry is exceptionally complex. And just like I, I mentioned about our discussion last week with some of the super hosts on Airbnb, thinking that this is really easy. As the economic pressure starts to push down, I think we'll all start to recognize how difficult this industry really is. And there are a lot of variables. I often say to, to people that you really don't understand this industry until you live it day to day, because there are so many moving pieces. 
And I think in one of our episodes, Conrad, you mentioned a VRM Intel diagram that at one point showed all of the different pieces that a vacation rental manager has to think about. And needless to say, it's a very long list. There's a lot of different pieces that the homeowner has to think about, that the guest has to think about. But then on the other side of that, it's changing so quickly. You've got new tech that's coming in. You've got the economic pressures. You've got the new OTAs. You've got this new breed of manager being these super hosts who are going in and buying up homes and put them on Airbnb and these OTAs. So the dynamic in the industry changes very drastically from year to year as well. So the misalignments, I think, can happen at every level of the industry, whether it's operational. I can remember in 2008 having to force homeowners to get Wi-Fi. Today, nobody would even question that. But at that point, clearly there was a misalignment. Us as managers knew that Wi-Fi was needed. Guests were telling us that it was needed. But homeowners would say, why do we need it? They're coming here for vacation. Tell them to get off their computers. It's crazy to say that, but guests guests want it and homeowners feel like they can dictate what the guests should do because it's their home. I do think that dynamic has changed. And you could list a number of those things. Keyless access was the same way, right? COVID shifted that tremendously. But I've had a lot of these types of discussions where you've got to help the homeowner understand, hey, times are changing. You're going to need new technology or the homeowner or the guests want X, Y, and Z out of your home and you don't have it. So we've really got to do that. So I think that there can be misalignments at every level of this very complex industry. But at the end of the day, what Scott and I are talking about, this misalignment around ranking and expectations for the homeowner and ultimately expectations for the guest, I think that starts from the very first conversation. And it goes back to what Scott was talking about, setting those expectations, having a clear discussion around objectives. What are our objectives as a vacation rental management company? What are your objectives as a homeowner? And how do we get those aligned? At the end of the day, if they're not aligned, it's okay to say it's not a fit on either side for the management company or for the homeowner. Say, look, our goals are just not aligned. We're going to go in different directions. But I think it's very important to have that discussion up front. And my assumption is that some managers in this industry don't want to have that discussion up front because they're really hungry to get homes. But that snowballs over the duration of the lifetime of that home in the inventory. That misalignment creates friction on the guest side which ultimately sucks resources from the management company to have to deal with the lack of mis- lack of expectations or the misalignment. And then at the end of the day, it's a homeowner who's frustrated because either their revenue's down or the homeowner's not, or the management company's not paying attention to what their goals were. So I think this starts from the very first discussion. So I, I'll pass it back to Scott. And Scott, how are we thinking about that first discussion and what are we doing differently in, in that initial discussion? Yeah, so it's funny, right? Because ultimately everyone thinks, and Conrad touched on this, everyone has bought a five-star property, right? Everyone. That's their property, right? They're, it's theirs. They love it. They decorated it themselves. And again, it's a delicate conversation. So we're taking it back simple, right? And we have basically, it's this three-part survey and we're calling it the compatibility survey. And essentially it starts with walking them through our pipeline process. Did we talk to you about these things? And it's essentially just starting to gauge that alignment. And it's funny, and we'll talk a little bit about details as we progress, I'm sure. But Conrad, you touched on one of the biggest points of our initial alignment with the owner. And that is, is this a business for you? Is this a personal business venture for you? Or is this your beach house? Because that's two very different mindsets, entirely different mindsets. And not we're not looking to handle your beach house. We're looking to be in business with you and manage your vacation rental. And we believe that's a huge differentiator. Can we get revenue from your beach house? Sure. I'm sure we can. Will it be the same? Will it be up to our standard? 
Probably not because you've got your decorations in there and all that stuff. So starting with this survey and just here's our core points and what we did. And just because our survey has a bunch of questions that suit us, the questions can change, right? I think what everyone's got to understand is that these questions that we have, and I'm happy to share them, we'll outline them. But again, that's because that's what we're suited towards. People may be all into, and a market may be all about renting your beach house. That may be perfectly fine. You just rent out a bunch of beach houses. What we experience is you start to go down that path. Then you have mom's decor, grandma's decor, right? Grandpa's rocking chair, right? I mean, it. that is not a vacation. That's your vacation experience as the owner. That's not a guest vacation rental experience. So really, we start with a simple compatibility survey. We start to gauge the alignment. And like Adam said, one, we can look and go, here's where we're off. But we can also show this is our thinking. This is your thinking. And again, no emotion. Here's where we're coming from. Here's where you're coming from. Maybe we connect the wires. Adam said, maybe we just look and go two very different objectives. We're probably not the right manager for you, or you're probably not the right homeowner to be with us. Yeah. And I think the truth that I've experienced over the years is that all the new people don't have that nuance. They, all the newer people in the industry are just like inventory and they're just like, it's like a hungry hippo. They're just like, ah, give it to me. They just want to shove it in their mouth. They don't think about it. All the uh, managers I work with that have, I don't know, a gray hair or two, they tend to have a different approach to it because they've seen it. They've gone through it. They've had bad owners and they realize how toxic they can be to an office, especially now with expectations being higher. Your story of Ramos thing just reminded me a quick tangent of a rental that we stayed in back in 2018. I think it would have been a month in Cape Coral, Florida, a nice rental, actually right on the waterway. We could get out to fish very quickly. It was awesome. And that you could tell the, I think the manager gave them one little corner. It almost seemed like that's what the deal was. Like you can have this one corner because that corner was a picture of the family. The kid, the daughter's like spelling B winning like certificate was over there in this little corner tucked away next to a Wi-Fi router and stuff like that. The other 98% of the home was like all rentaled up, like the pump shower for the shampoo and everything like that. So I was like, I wondered if that was like a compromise that the rental manager made uh, with the actual homeowner. Do you want to put your stuff here? You can put it in this little piece. That is it. <laughs> everything else is going to be my stuff. That's It just cracked me up whenever I... And, but it was them tr also trying to connect with you and the home wasn't pet friendly. And there was a story in there, like on a piece of paper about how the daughter was allergic to pets. So yeah, this home isn't pet friendly. You know that. But the reason it's not is this, our daughter who stays in this home frequently was allergic to pet dander or something like that. So there was logic in it. And I thought that was actually interesting to like connect with the homeowner and see them a little bit, even though obviously we're staying in their property through a manager. So. It just made me think of that when you had your story about grandma's throw pillow or something like that. And honestly, you don't want to guess to damage that stuff anyways. If they do value right. that stuff, they should probably take it out of the property anyways, because it's going to get damaged by a guess. That just it's interesting, um, Conrad. Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point. It's this industry is all about balance and it's walking this really fine yeah. tightrope because what you're explaining has a lot of value to the guests too. You walk into a hotel room and it feels sterile and cold, but you go into a vacation rental and you get to understand, hey, you can't bring a dog here because... The daughter is allergic and they'd like to stay here too. There's value in connecting to the homeowners in the home. I see that value. But at the end of the day, to Scott's point, we're running this as a business. The vacation homeowners are also trying to create a revenue. So as a result, we have to help them understand you need to run this as a business if you want to create the revenue that you're after. And I do think the industry has changed in that way. I think people are much more sophisticated and they're much more open to running it as a business. I'm sure there's a segment that is still looking for that beach house. And that's what we're trying to get in this initial survey is if that's the segment you're in, then we might not be the right fit. But I do think it's this tightrope act where we've got to balance, hey, how do we make this really personable for that guest experience? But at the same time, how do we make it really hospitable and pro professional at the same time?
Yeah, yeah. I think in this case, they maybe because it was so limited, it was like it was also optional to go there too. Like I could just ignore it or I could have engaged with it. And I'm curious, so I had to engage with it. Also, there for a <laughs> yeah. month, you're going to engage with every little piece of the property, right? I wonder what's in this closet. Oh, it's locked. Uh, let me pick the lock. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not that guest. I don't <laughs> guess. Yeah. It's, but yeah, the alignment is key for sure in, in understanding. And that, that what makes, to be fair, that's what makes the properties fun and engaging and interesting in some cases. I think Matt did a phenomenal job of this. Uh, Matt Landau in his original season one at the time called Sense of Place, now the vacation rental show. That that he did, um, where he gave examples. I think it was the Italy episode. I'm testing my memory here because it was a long time ago, but there was a lot of personal artifacts of the person who owned that home inside of it. But people loved it because why that person was super interesting. But that's a different thing than just, okay, here's grandma and she's like an accountant and it's not that interesting. But if the property has like history and I think he used the word provenance or something like that, which would be very Matt Landau thing. To do. <laughs> that was fascinating in that respect where you could make the property almost seem more desirable and more interesting by including things. Or I'm imagining like an Outer Banks property, Adam, where it's like world-class surfer XYZ owns this property and here's his old surfboard. Like that would be awesome to see that. Yeah. Oh, I could go use like this guy's surfboard. Like those things would be cool if you storytell them maybe a little bit and not just, oh, here's the owner's old surfboard that they don't care about. You could almost turn something mundane into something interesting. And this goes back to, I, I think, our discussion from last week with you trying to talk about how do you set a home apart and make it more intriguing for the guests. And I think those are great examples. Yeah. But I think you're right. You've got to storytell and you've got to do it really professionally. Yeah, yeah, to your point. There's a way you do that. It comes off flat and corny. There's a way you do that where it's really, that's interesting. Yeah. Let's track back then to the survey because I think that was interesting. And that's a, I like the kind of qualitative nature of that where you can get a sense of where they're at, get a sense of where you're at and see this is matchmaking. And you want to, I imagine too, Scott, you want to drive them in your direction a little bit. Maybe they just don't know. Maybe it's their first time around. They just don't really understand what to expect. So I think part of the reason they're coming to you is they want you to handle it. And otherwise they might consider doing it themselves. But how do you prevent the emotional piece that we talked about a few minutes ago where the homeowner says, here is my property. It, I paid probably nowadays $500,000 to a million dollars for this property. How do you prevent them from saying, this is the best, amazing, highest ranking property you're ever going to see? How do you ground them into reality without harming their delicate feelings? Yeah, because yeah, 90% of them believe that they have the best property in your portfolio yeah. and legitimately. So really, and again, this is what makes it easiest. So it starts with, this isn't about, it's, it's not about you. This is about us, right? And that's real, right? It, is we are starting with our core beliefs, right? The core way that we're going to run the business and the core way we believe is the best way to make the most money and give the best experience. So this starts with, this isn't even about your unit. This is about where we're headed and where we're taking our business. So there's a few points and Adam and I will we'll bounce back and forth through them. But, but, and we started with this one already. We have talked about this one, but we believe that the guests are ready and willing to pay a premium to stay in a vacation rental not in someone's house. And we believe there's some intricacies around that. And like we've talked about a few grandma's chair, but I think it goes, I think it goes wider in that. And I think it goes into further details than that. Yeah. So I add, and I think that this is a good point to explain that what we're going to walk through here is the alignment of points that Scott and I have created around the business to say, this is our belief with our ranking system. So these aren't the questions that we ask. And to Scott's point, we can share some specific questions, but everybody's operation is unique and you've got to determine what are your objectives and what are the questions that you want to ask. But these are the points of alignment that Scott and I have with building our business that we'll then go out and talk with the homeowner about. So to this point around the guests looking for that professional experience, I think that this is an important distinction. Again, going back to that discussion last week with Airbnb and Superhost, Airbnb built its empire on the concept that guests are willing to stay in someone's bedroom, maybe even someone's air mattress, right? That was where it initially started. The vacation rental industry, the professional vacation rental industry 
is at complete odds with that perspective. We do not bring guests in to stay in our bedrooms or to sleep on an air mattress. We bring guests in to a full home, to have a full home experience, to feel what hospitality is like outside of a hotel. You can have that same hospitality feel, but you do it in a home and you have the home, the whole home for yourself. That is the selling feature of the vacation rental industry. So we do believe that guests are willing to pay a premium to get that hospitality experience. Yes, of course, there's a segment of the market that falls into that Airbnb and, hey, we want a quick reservation and we want it on the cheaper end. And I don't care if I sleep in someone's bedroom. Growing up when I was in college, I'm sure I would have done that. But me and my family, we don't want that experience. My family wants to go in and feel like we're welcomed and we want people to be thinking proactively about how they can make our experience great. So I do believe that our guests are willing to pay a premium to get that hospitality and that professional feel. Yeah. So it's funny. Now we take that to the next step and we've already talked about it with the simple Wi-Fi back in 2008. But I think that the secondary part, Conrad, is you now go, okay, now we're, we've got them to your vacation rental. But now the other thing that we're, we really strongly believe is each vacation rental, these guests have to have the same or better technology than they have from the house they left, right? They cannot go back in time when they go on vacation bare minimum, they're expecting to at least have the same kind of life experience when they get to that vacation, bare minimum. Yeah, this is an interesting yeah. too. I think that this is a really good example of misalignment. And I'm sure that this is changing over the years as homeowners and guests age and new people come through the process. But the idea that the guest experience needs to be at minimum equal to what they have at home this is a new trend in the industry. I can think, and I'll just use an example from when I was growing up. You know, growing up outside of Boston, we would vacation down at the Cape. And the Cape has been doing vacation rentals for a hundred years. You just went to a newspaper and you found vacation rental ads and you went out and you got a vacation rental home. No managers, just directly with the homeowners. That experience was completely different than what it is today. I remember going to cottages down the Cape with dusty old furniture that was uncomfortable, no TVs, puzzles that were missing pieces, board games from 1960, that would never fly today. That's not even an option to have in, a, in an inventory today. Now, I'm sure that there are some people, homeowners that might still have that belief, and maybe that's where the Airbnb fit is for that segment. But the trends have changed, and these guests are now demanding at the very minimum the same experience that they have at home. And I'd probably argue that that's quickly going to change into they're going to demand experiences that are more unique and better than the quality experiences that they have at home. They're coming on vacation to have something better than what they have at home. Today, it might be a minimum of, hey, let's match what I have at home, but I don't think that's going to last much longer. Yeah. Yeah. No. And Adam, and you and I have been over this one time and time again, but I think it also, and you started to get there, it's also in the details, right? And Conrad, you and I talked about this in the last episode, right? Getting down to the end of the details is key, right? It's it, And it's become a bit of a unique selling proposition, right? To know the details, but that's, you work in those details, that's where we believe that you win the most guests, right? That's where you start driving into the repeat and the loyalty. 
I have a, a client of mine that's actually more in the hotel and resort space. And I remember he told me at one point he ordered like 13 different mattresses and he was testing them all in different rooms to see which one people liked the best. And then the ones that didn't like he'd get rid of because he wanted to then go order 300 mattresses for the rest of the building, basically. And he was like, I'm not going to put a subpar mattress in 300 times. And I think that's a good example of hospitality. Like not many of us have the capability to order 15 different mattresses and try them all out. But he did that because he was very serious about the guest experience. And he knew that like, if I find the right blend on the mattress, that's going to help cut down my complaints. Guests are going to be happy. And that's that's a detail. It doesn't get more detailed than testing the Sealy 123 model versus the 758 model or whatever the case may be. And he was down in that level of the detail. So Man, I like that a bit. Guest experience is about that basics. I love that example, Conrad. I think that the details can be the most fun in this industry if you're a detail-oriented person. Because again, going back to last week, when we talk about marketing and operations are so intertwined that every one of those details has the potential to create a really good guest experience or a really bad guest experience. And that experience is then going to translate into future marketing for you. So you can think about mattresses, right? You can think about towels, sheets, all of the details at the properties. I'll give a couple quick examples off of some recent experiences. When we went down for Costco training in Rocky Point, Mexico, a few weeks ago, we had this giant crab painted on the window with the Maryland flag. Like they, they took the time to understand where we were from. They understood, and these people are in Mexico. They understood that crab is huge in in Maryland. And they understood that the flag was important. I don't know any other state where the flag is important, but in Maryland, people care about their flag <laughs> for whatever reason. But they had this painted on the window. So it was an awesome way for us to enter. They knew us, they took the time to paint it. So I think that's one detail, right? You can know your guests and you can start to think about it. But I do think there's broader ways that you can do it. The, the, the mattresses are a good example. I saw another great example online yesterday on LinkedIn. I'll give a quick shout out to Lauren Madewell out in Gatlinburg with Antebellums. And I think that she shared one about how you can start to get information out to the guests prior to their arrival, during their stay, and maybe even post-stay through just some easy marketing around QR codes and then a link tree. And in that link tree, you've got videos that are fun to watch. You've got local recommendations. You've got playlists for your vacation. So while that might not be particular to that specific guest, what it's doing is starting to create relationships with the company as a whole. They start to get a voice for the company. They start to have a reason to go back and see things within that company. If I got that email prior to going on vacation, me and my family would be listening to the playlist the whole way down to go on the trip. So there's a lot of value in layering in these small details, but you've got to take the time to focus on them. If you're not thinking about them, if you're not looking at them, it's a missed opportunity. Like those two examples that you had real quick, Adam, I promise I'll come back to you, Scott, because no, neither of those really cost any money necessarily, right? I don't know. Maybe it was 35 minutes of the housekeeper's time who apparently moonlights as a chalk artist. That's impressive <laughs> to do the crab. But like here you are several weeks later talking about it. Right. If they left you a bottle of wine, would you have remembered it? Maybe not. I don't know. That's not a bad piece of hospitality. That might've cost them 20 bucks, whereas the crab cost them almost nothing in a way, just a little bit of time. And yet it's something that sticks out to your mind. And then yeah, Lauren's link tree, I think is another example where obviously it took her time to put that together, but not necessarily any hard cost. And yet it's creating that brand and that connection with someone that is hard to build when you're one to many. When she can't go talk to every guest, maybe herself at her scale, she can do something fun like that's more repeatable and replicatable that multiple people can access like a playlist or a video or something like that. And once you do it, you don't have to do it again, right? You're going to reap the rewards of that effort for a very long time. 
Yeah. yeah, you might need to tweak it every once in a while, but it's not like every single month you have to go tweak it. It's something you might want to tweak a few times a year, right? Maybe a restaurant new opens, that's awesome. Maybe a restaurant shuts down, things like that. So yeah, those guidebooks, and Tyann talks a lot about this on the touch day side of things. I think this, those guidebooks can be a phenomenal tool to get in front of people. And yeah, put a little personality in them, not just a list of the restaurants, but like when you go here, order this and ask for the server, like he's the best, like that kind of stuff yep. really does make the property manager shine and gives a better experience than just like, yeah, here's a few places you can go check out if you want to. I think this yeah. will get us into the next one, but just as a quick segue into that next alignment point, I think that guests are looking for that. They want to feel like they're a local and we're the locals and we have the opportunity to tell them about that. So they're going to appreciate it when we share those details. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, right? I think Adam, I think it's the final two, right? And really the core. So the final two on the list are you go through, like Adam just said, you kill all the details. And I agree, Lauren's videos were spot on, right? I even watched the one they did where they drove around town and pointed to all the local places. It was, But there's a connection built there. One of the things that we've seen and we've noticed is you do all of these things and you nail all of these details. And the number of vacation rental companies that don't have next year calendar already open and sitting there available because they're going to they're going to wait to talk to the homeowner after the season to check in. You've got them, right? You've built this great experience. You've got everything set. Like Adam said, they're listening to the playlist on the way down there. They're pumped up. They've gone and checked out all of the local stuff. They're ready to set a tradition, right? Hey, dad, can we come back next year? Hey, let's do this again next year. Hey, that. But now there's, yeah, we'll, we'll have to book this again. One of our big push with our homeowners is open up the calendar. Let's put in rates for next year with an increase, by the way. Let's not just say, hey, here's where it's going to go. If it needs to adjust, it'll adjust. But have the calendar open and ready to support the whole experience you just built. Have it ready so they can say, let's do it. We had a great time. Let's make this a tradition. And then again, and then you tie in the last element of you've established a personal connection with them. Now keep them coming back. And you can keep them coming back while they're still sitting right there enjoying the experience that you you curated for them. Yeah, this, this is a friction point that is a little bit of a nag for me. I think that as an industry, we make this pre-booking idea way too complicated. And it goes back to the expectations with the homeowners. VRMs in this industry wrestle with these pre-bookings and then they wrestle with setting rates and then they wrestle with going back to those guests and asking them if they actually want to book Let's just do it all at one spot. Let's stop wasting our resources. Let's get the reservations on the book. Now, when that happens, it also starts to get the homeowner more attached to you. So if we're in June and we're getting reservations for next year, and we might even have a rate increase to Scott's point. Now, when that homeowner maybe questions us in October, we get to say, hey, I get it. You might want to look around, but keep in mind, you've got 30 reservations that are already pre-booked. They might yeah. consider staying with us for the next year. Now, hopefully we did a great job and they want to stay anyway. But I do think that those pre-reservations are important. And then the other component of that is, is our resources as a company. We're not going to waste our time going back to the homeowners over and over again saying, hey, are these rates good? Are these rates good? Look, if you want to leave, you can leave at any time. We're not going to hold you hostage with the agreement. And we're not going to go back and ask you for rates time and again, hoping that you come back to us. We're also not going to go back to the guests from October through December and try to get them to actually confirm their reservation that they already told us back in June that they wanted to take. Let's make this really easy for everybody. Make the reservation when you want to make the reservation, have the calendars open, have the rates open, and then we're all set for next year because we've already got everybody. No, that makes a lot of sense. In the past, I've done different campaigns where we've had tailored communication and forms and complicated things to fill out. 
And I get, I always just had to defer to the manager and be like, ah, that's how you have to do it. I get it. But uh, yeah, I think it would make the marketing a lot easier, honestly, if I could just push a button and get someone to book ahead next year. Actually makes my job a lot easier. Then next season, I like start the season. I'm like, oh, look, I only have to fill X number of weeks instead of 500. I only have to fill 300. That's a good feeling, honestly, on the marketing advertising side. Yeah. So uh, getting back to alignment, trying to align ourselves back here, we're trying to align the homeowner and the guest. I think we had one more note on direct bookings and how someone should come back and book again direct next year. I don't think we touched on that. Do you want to go back to you, Scott? on that? Yeah. So again, Conrad, that's a big one. And here's where we're in, right? And we're we're all in on the OTAs with the exception of one, and that's Airbnb. We're not, we won't be using in our business, we won't be using Airbnb. But from an OTA perspective, we see value. That value is very clear though. Get us the guest for the first time. Once you once that OTA gets us the guest the first time, we're seeing that as our cost of acquisition. From that moment on, Conrad, that's our guest. Now what one one quick <laughs> thought there, Scott. I agree with Scott and we're aligned with this, so I'll say it. But yes, that's cost of acquisition, but only for a percentage of our guests, right? We're still looking for direct bookings for the majority. I think that's one thing in this industry that we've got to keep stressing. You should not be relying on these OTAs for 70%, 80%, 100%. They should be like 15, 20, 30% of those initial bookings. Your direct website, your direct bookings need to drive most of it. So yes, we're happy to pay that acquisition fee for a small percentage, but that will not be where we rely. Yeah. A repeat OTA from our viewpoint is a loss. Mm -hmm. That's a straight hit to profitability. There's no need for it. If we've curated that personal experience that we just went through that list on and they still go back to VRBO to book, we haven't done our part. Yeah, no, I think that uh, it's the truth about direct bookings. We didn't really get into this as much last week. We were talking more about properties and things like that. But the ability to drive direct bookings is correlated with being able to drive traffic. And when you're new, it's hard to drive traffic. And that's with people that maybe don't know what they're doing. But even if you know what you're doing, it's not like a flip a switch and get the traffic right away. Yeah, I think that's a completely reasonable approach for sure. So let's go back to you, Scott. So we have this alignment, hopefully, on the homeowner side. We talked a lot in that last little segment about like property quality, marketing. We were touching on opening the calendar and things like that. Let's go back to the ranking system. So how do we tie all those pieces together, Scott, on how do we actually do the ranking system to then align all the guest things we talked about with the owner so that we're all on the same page? Yeah. So we've talked about this, the build in the open process, right, Conrad? And you were a big part of that when we talked about this podcast. So happy to share. And again, we can get into details or we can say, reach out and we can discuss, but it all starts with alignment, right? Our questions, our approach, there could be people listening now saying that's the dumbest way of doing business ever. We don't do it that way makes total sense. But what we believe is this approach on the compatibility survey and the ranking is a match. It's just what questions are you asking, right? Getting your alignment points and you have to be very clear on your alignment points in your business and then you can check alignment with the owner. So really it's a simple process. We start going through and we start with this survey and it really starts to align what are our top priorities? And we have our priorities ranked. What do we think is most valuable all the way down to least valuable? And that's how the algorithm works, right? It looks and says, if we think question number five is most important, then it's giving question number five and the owner's answer to question number five more weight. We're talking about Adam and I are building high value, high touch, high hospitality, high yield business, right? And that's us, that's homeowner. Guest benefits from those. Everyone may not be building that. There may be the middle ground. There may be the low ground. It's all fine. What we're saying is there's still an alignment point with those owners. So again, from our standpoint, we believe that it's the finest details. We talked about this last episode, Conrad, where we were saying 
simple details as far as if that house, if the max occupancy is 16 and you have eight chairs at the dining room table, we don't believe that's the best experience. We believe that max occupancy should equal seating and not only dining room seating, but how about all the common area seating, right? That's where we believe we're going to make a difference. Now, again, people may look and say, no, that's ridiculous. That doesn't work. This is our view. We talked about the OTAs. We talked about, we want direct bookings, but wouldn't we get an OTA? We're all good with the first time around. We want them to come directly to us afterwards. And we want the owner to know that's our goal. So what we did, Conrad, is we broke it into just a few groupings of questions. And really, we started with the first few questions we have are just about the pipeline experience with us. Did we talk to you about all these things that are important to us? And it's a simple yes, no, makes sense. But those, then we get into- I'll jump in real quick on that, Scott. So those pipeline yeah. questions are really important for us, Conrad, because that reinforces yeah. some of the decisions we're making as a business. So for instance- you're going to get keyless access. This isn't a question. Did we talk to you about that? Okay. So you said, yes, you're getting it. You're going to release your rates to us so that we can be the experts that we are at revenue management. You understand that? Okay, good. So it's those alignment questions that are reinforcing the pieces that we absolutely need in order to operate our business. So yes, they're just checking boxes, but they are very box, very important boxes to check. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and Conrad, as we get into the details and Adam, nailed the first group, right? And But then we get in and say, okay, now let's talk about setting some of our key stakes, right? What are the big stakes for us? I expect annual rate increases, even for my repeat guests. We believe that our product's going to continue to grow, so rates should grow with it. Now, listen, if they book, and like we said, calendar's open, and they're ready to book, and Adam and his family are ready to book, we go, oh, hey, next year, it's already got a 7% rate increase in there. You're a repeat. We'll do it for you for three and a half. But we're still walking that up because we're asking for a partner to be in, into this financially, right? The other side of that coin is we're actually on our, from our perspective, we're saying, are you owner willing to proactively invest at least two and a half percent of your profits every year, right? As warranted, as needed, or as the guest points out, can we ex expect you to take 2% back into that unit? Because again, we're expecting to get a bigger return from our guests next year that we've cultivated. We've got all the way through. Now they're in. Now they're ready to book. We've got them booked. But now when they come back next year, let's show them that the details came up. And that's the value that they, they got from that increase. So I think that's a big one. Adam, what do you have? Anything else on, on that one? No, I think that when we talk about some of these things from the perspective that Scott and I are coming from, and I would handle this if we had a portfolio of 200 in a similar way, but we are coming from this at building it from the ground up. So we do get to have these discussions at the beginning and build this the way that we want to build it. So I think that some of these discussions, we can be a little bit more straightforward with the homeowners that we're talking with versus some established managers who might be trying to shift some of the way that they've got relationships with homeowners. I recognize that existing relationships can be challenging, but at the end of the day, I still think it's worth it to have these difficult, transparent discussions because it's going to make everybody's life easier. Yeah. Yeah. And Conrad, then we ultimately wind up at, right where it needs to end up. And that's at the property level, right? What are the details of the property? And clearly we're not just taking their word for it, right? But we go in, we touch the seating. We touch one of the big ones is the kitchen. Does the Is the kitchen stocked? Number one, to the occupancy, but number two, does it have vacation stuff? How many people go on vacation, get to their unit, and there's no blender? Now, I don't know about you guys, but in our house or when we go on vacation, 
a blender is probably as important as the bed because there's margaritas to be made. Correct. Right? Oh. Every time. Right? But again, it is, is it stocked and ready for a vacation rental? So we're asking very pointed questions to say people are going to vacation here and is the kitchen stocked to that? So I think, Conrad, when we look at it, happy to share the survey, but I think it starts with everyone understanding their business and their objectives. What is it about their business? And then build the algorithm. And I'm more than happy to share the algorithm. I mean, I, I am slightly crazy when it comes to these things. So maybe we trademarked it and maybe we've got a process patent working. But again, this is something we believe will will shift the industry, but happy to share. And again, Conrad, and I'll end with this. There's a simple recap, right? In all of this, think about everything we just talked about. There's no emotion needed, right? All we're going to say is it's just math. And I get even get where Adam's coming from when you have existing owners, but it still comes can come back to the same thing. Annual review. Here's where we are. Here's where we think we could be better. We've strengthened our focus and we've really got our focus set now. Here's what we want to be. And here's where we think the winning path is. Hey, owner, where do you align? And again, then you're just looking at numbers and saying, hey, on this, the most important objective to us, we're not a match. So what does that mean? Or, hey, on the lessers, we're not a match. We can tweak those things. What do we think about those? But there's never emotion in it. So I said it at the beginning, I'll say it at the end. I'd rather have a math conversation than an emotion conversation every day, all day. Yeah. If I was a homeowner, though, I guess just to bring us out and round us out here. I would actually feel a lot more confident if I got this from a rental manager who's telling me like, this is what you need here. This is what you need here, et cetera. Even if I wasn't a first time rookie, if you will, if I'd done it before, because yeah, then I know exactly what to expect. There's no ambiguity, which I think that's probably, we talked about misaligned expectations at the beginning, where I think where a lot of that comes from is just not knowing what to expect. So having the specifics in there, 2%, I love that actually, that's a very specific number. You could actually represent that in a dollar number once the season's over, right? Oh, okay, let's go. What could we do with an extra $2,000 this year in the property if it was that level of property. So yeah, I like that quite a bit for sure. Anything else, Adam, to slide in there or? No, what? I agree with that point, Conrad. I think that our perspective is that yes, homeowners are going to this type of discussion. It's a very straightforward, yeah. professional, business-focused discussion. This isn't a, about emotion. Yes, we want to create a relationship and we want to make sure that we all like spending time and doing business together. But at the end of the day, this is a numbers discussion, like Scott has mentioned. Now, what I will say is we will continue to build in the open and we may have missteps and we may trip and there there might be some tweaks to what we're talking about here, but we do believe it. We're going to keep talking about it. We're happy to share the details. I do think that Scott's point is 100% accurate in the sense that what we're building here is a framework. It's going to be different for every manager. They're going to have different objectives. They're going to have different questions. They're going to weight those questions differently. And that's the important part of this is figuring out what your objectives and your questions are. And then at the end, weighing them in a way where you get the results that are going to drive what matters to you and gets you to those objectives. So we're happy to share. We're happy to discuss. We're hopeful that this could be a ranking system that takes takes off in the industry, but we'll see. We'll go out and try it and let you know how it goes. All right, let's do a follow-up when you reject your first owner. Ah, perfect. I think that'd be a great follow-up. And then why? No names or anything like that, but like we rejected an owner. Here was why we rejected said owner today. I think that would be a really interesting discussion to have. And especially if it was a really nice property. If you reject a loser, I don't want to hear about it. But if you reject (laughs) that nice one, that's what I want to hear. I was like, I said no, and here's why. That would be a good follow-up. All right, gentlemen, I think this is our longest one yet, but it was good. So let's put a bow on this one. I don't think we need to beg for reviews. People know the thing. You know what would help us in our ranking system? If you leave a review. So go ahead to your podcast app 
of choice. What does that take? Five to 10 seconds. Click five stars, leave a review, and we would greatly appreciate it. And I think we will catch everybody on the next episode. Thanks so much, guys. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks.